Welcome to The Bull and the Bear, a money and markets podcast. We give you the advice you need to know to make investing safe and profitable. With The Bull and the Bear podcast, you'll get exclusive access to some of the top thinkers, analysts, advisors, and gurus in the investment business. And now for your hosts, Matt Clark and Charles Sizemore. Hello, everyone. I'm Matt Clark, research analyst for Money and Markets with your latest Bull and the Bear podcast. Uh, glad you're with us. Uh, this uh, is going to come out close to the weekend. So I uh, hope you guys had a, a very good trading week despite the fluctua fluctuations of the market over the course of the week with stimulus and, and things like that. But uh, I want to jump right in and talk about uh, what we're going to get into what we're going to talk about today. And, and I, I've had this in the back of my mind. I thought about, you know, bringing Adam O'Dell, our chief investment strategist and contributor, Charles Sizemore, on to talk about this. And when you're new to investing, and I, I preface by saying it's not necessarily just to new investors, but when you're new to investing, a lot of things you want to try, one of the things you want to try to do is, is kind of swing for the fences and find that one big home run that you can, uh, you, you can brag about and, and really pad your account with. And investors tend to look at like large companies as their way of doing that. You look at an Apple or an Amazon or a Google or, or, or something like that, a Fang stock, you know, whatever, the, to, to find that big, you know, heavy hitting stock that's going to provide you with that, that double to triple digit gain. However, what you have to understand is that investing in big companies doesn't always necessarily mean you're going to get big returns. And, and it's worth your time as an investor, whether you are a rookie investor, uh, a, just a, a, a day trader, a, you know, whatever, whatever your market standing is, whatever your methodology is, it's a good idea to look at even smaller companies because uh, you know, it's suggested and, and Adam O'Dell has said this and I, you know, I believe this, that smaller companies can actually provide uh, those mass, those bigger returns that you're looking for. Uh, and, and for that, what I want to do today is I want to look at some stocks that are located in uh, the iShares Russell 2000 ETF, uh, which uh, if, if memory serves trades under IW and I'm going to have it here. I, uh, you know, IWF, I think, uh, is what it trades as. And Adam or Charles can correct me if I'm wrong. With IWM. IWM. There it is. I was off a couple letters off. So uh, it, it's exchange traded fund that tracks the Russell 2000. Uh, it's up about 63% since March, since the coronavirus crash. Uh, and it, it had a bit of a dip in September, but is actually in late September. But over the last two weeks has jumped 12% to where its current price is. Um, the ETF, it holds companies that you've heard of. I mean, these are small companies, but they're not companies that you haven't heard of. Novavax Incorporated, which has uh, been kind of at the, uh, in the discussion in terms of a coronavirus vaccine. Uh, on, online retailer Overstock.com uh, is also there. And, and the popular shoe company, or popular with some, uh, rebuffed by others, and that's Crocs Incorporated. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if you're, I, I have a pair, but you know, for whatever that's worth. Don't admit that in public. I, I do. I do. Um, it's fine. Uh, you don't wear them with socks, do you? No. I, I, okay. draw, I draw the line. It's like sandals with socks. Um, and, 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 you know, the ETF actually includes a, a stock that Chief Investment Strategist Adam O'Dell uh, has, uh, you know, told his uh, Green Zone Fortune readers about. It's up. Uh, that particular stock is up about 125%. If you uh, look at our story on money and markets, uh, all about this podcast, you'll find a link that'll send you to, uh, to, to more information on his Green Zone Fortune stock. And it's a very, it's a great performing stock, but it just kind of illustrates that smaller companies can perform very well, regardless, uh, you know, in, in whatever market condition. And it's worth your time as an investor to look at that. So I'm going to, I'm going to bring in Charles Sizemore and, and Adam O'Dell and, and, and talk about a couple stocks today. I want to talk about two and, and get their take on, on, on what they are. They're, they're, they're companies, you know, but they're not necessarily massive, massive market cap companies. They're not in the trillions. They're not even in the hundreds of billions. Uh, 
so, so I'll, I'll start off. This company I want to start with uh, it, it specializes in lease purchase solutions, uh, which basically means they do lease purchase for people with underserved or, 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 uh, or credit challenged individuals. They lease purchase things like furniture, jewelry, mobile phones, mattresses, electronics, uh, a wide range of, of, of various products. Uh, the company's got a three-year annual sales growth rate of about 7.1%. It's got a market cap of only 3.9 billion. Uh, its share price has moved actually pretty steadily since the corona, uh, corona crash in March. Uh, it's jumped about 292% since, uh, since March. It hit a golden cross back in, like, in middle of August. Uh, the company, the first company I want to talk about is Aaron's Incorporated, trades on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker AAN. And uh, I'll first uh, send things over to Charles Sizemore. Uh, Charles, you know, Aaron's, it's a, it's a small company. It's a, it's a name that you know. Um, and what they do is kind of an interesting niche. Uh, but what are your thoughts in terms of its share of its shares uh, and stock and worth, worth worthwhile of an investment? Yeah, this one's tough for me because it looks great on paper. Yeah, it's it's profitable. It's in a nice uptrend. It, it's it has all the the usual check boxes you like to see. I mean, it, it's a good company. My issue is they they serve um, disadvantaged consumers. You know, they, they serve people that that don't have good credit ratings. They they serve people that are sort of at at the margins of the economy. That could really be a problem if uh, we end up having a recession. Now, you know, we had the big economic uh, upheaval back in, in March when everything got shut down, but that was really mitigated by you know, unprecedented unemployment benefits and unprecedented government stimulus. I mean, the, the, the government and the Fed uh, together just threw the kitchen sink at the, at the financial crisis. And so it, the bottom never really fell out. You know, even though the economy shrank, uh, we didn't, it didn't really feel that way necessarily at, at, at ground level. I, I feel like that will shift post-election. Once the election's over, whoever wins is going to have to face the reality that, okay, I mean, we can't just keep throwing money at this forever. At some point, we, we, we have to have a recession to sort of you know, clean the slate here. And um, I, I don't know, you know, what, what that means for, for errands. You know, in, in that case, will a lot of these sort of cash-strapped, um, you know, the, the kind of people that may be unemployed right now tend to be service sector workers, sort of um, um, lower, not, not low income, but, you know, we're not, we're not they're, talking. They're, they're credit challenged that, that can't normally, uh, you know, get that high, that, that, that high value credit card or something like that to go and make these purchases. Yeah. They do it through... Uh, different financial means with errands through whatever uh, leasing companies that, that Aaron's it, it, Exactly. And, and they may be in for a rough patch here. So it's, it's funny. Aaron's looks great on paper. Normally I'd say go for it. I think I'm going to be a soft pass. Okay. Uh, it's interesting that you talk about the customer base and, and one thing that gets in the back of my mind, I'm not really sure how it factors, but the fact remains is that that customer base is actually growing and it's because of the coronavirus crash sure. that, that it's growing. I don't know. I mean, I, I totally, I, I understand the point that, you know, we're dealing with customers that either struggle with credit or, or struggle with financial means, thus they may have a struggle to pay. Uh, and that could, you know, be a, be a, a, a headwind for errands, especially if they have a lot of defaults with customers and things like that. But their, their customer base is actually growing and it's growing because of, 
uh, either underserved or unemployed. That actually, you, you bring up a good point. So somebody that had just sort of graduated to normal credit cards or you know, normal right. uh, access to credit, they were sort of at that margin. They kind of moved up with the big boys. They may, may have just gotten knocked back down. Exactly. And so that particular uh, consumer is not necessarily a, a high risk. Right. They, but, you know, there's not just more of them. They've just gotten bumped down a notch. So that, exactly. you, you do raise a good point. Um, Adam O'Dell, I want to get to the technical side of things and, and, and talk about your green zone rating system and where it puts where it puts errands and, and give me your thoughts on errands. Yeah, so I'm going to be a pass on errands as well. Uh, I guess kind of a soft pass like Charles and, and he kind of hit the nail on the head as far as on paper. Uh, it looks like a decent business and and really the way I equate that or I equate that to my six factor green zone ranking model and, and on paper it or or uh, it earns a score of 72 out of 100. So it has good momentum, it has good quality because it does have profits and good profit margins. Uh, growth is pretty good. It's trading at a pretty good value, 66 out of 100. So it's you know, better value than two thirds of the, the market. Um, and then being a, a kind of a smaller mid cap stock, uh, you can generally get better returns out of smaller mid cap stocks. But so I guess I'm going to go against my rating system in the sense that uh, it earns a 72 out of 100. So it normally would be a, a buy worth considering. But um, I'm kind of like Charles. I don't know really how to read the uh, the tea leaves as far as what's coming down the pike as far as a, an extended recession, a bifurcated recession where the, the have-nots do, do worse than the haves, uh, kind of like a K-shaped recovery that I've written about a bit. Um, but so, you know, I can, I can see it going both ways. I mean, Aaron's does have probably a growing customer base of people that are uh, newly marginalized or aren't doing quite as well now. But uh, is that really, you know, the best type of uh, customer? I mean, that's that's who they go for. But uh, there could be troubles in an extended recession if, if they can't pay, uh, you know, make their payments and whatnot. So I'm also not sure how interest rates are going to affect errands. I know they do a lot of lending. So if, if we have a big change in interest rates, I'm not sure if that's going to, uh, how that's going to affect them. So for me, there are a lot more unknowns uh, than knowns. And uh, even though they look decent on paper, I'd be a pass. I mean, it is misleading that they've more or less, uh, maybe almost tripled off of the bottom, uh, but to say that and say, oh, well, they've tripled off the bottom and that must mean there's a lot of demand for the stock. What you have to keep in mind is that they actually topped out well ahead of the coronavirus. They topped out in late 2019, the stock did, at $75 a share. And so it was already falling into the coronavirus crash. And then it was down 80% from that late 2019 high, 80% down uh, during the March, uh, late March lows. So really, even though it's tripled off those late March lows, uh, most people didn't buy in, in the late, late March lows. So most people, if they bought any time in 2019, they're still down in this stock 25 to 30%. Uh, so it's a little bit misleading to say they've really you know, rallied off the bottom. They have, but there are other stocks that lost less and have rallied a little bit less, but are now making new highs and Aaron's is not. So uh, for me, Aaron's is a pass. And, and I, you know, I'm kind of with you guys here. On paper and even looking at, at the six-factor green zone rating system, you know, Aaron's would be a company certainly worth looking at, uh, but there's a few things that concern me. And, and one is its volatility. Um, and you can see that illustrated in, in the six factor rating score. It scores a 26 on volatility. And I look at its stock chart and I'm looking at it right now over here. And, and I can see that it's traded sideways, you know, kind of up and down between that 55 to 58, $59 range um, since August. I think it's really struggling to find it had a nice upswing, but then again, it was, uh, you know, in March coming from March, everything had a nice upswing. So I, I think you kind of take that out a little bit and see kind of where it's at today. And I, I just don't see, you know, the momentum that, that would be, would be something that we would want to look at um, as a potential, uh, as a potential buy. So 
I'm, I'm a pass, maybe a little bit harder pass on errands than you guys. Uh, again, it, company wise, it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a good value. It's, it's got, you know, fairly decent margins, at least compared to the rest of the industry. Um, you know, it's got good sales. It does have a growing customer base. Um, but I just technically, I just, I just, I'm just very skittish uh, about errands and, and where it is right now and where it could possibly go. Next company that, uh, the, the last company we want to look at today is a company that, um, kind of made its bones by, by matching businesses or even, uh, just entities with potential independent contractors and, and freelancers for various types of work. Um, according to its website, it's got access to talent with approximately 8,000 skills across 70 categories, uh, three-year annual sales growth rate of about 22%. It's got a market cap of 2.5 billion. Uh, the company's share price actually didn't hit a low until late April, uh, but bounced back about 280% since that low. Uh, and since late September, the share price has grown by 34, by around 35%. And, and the company here is Upwork Incorporated, trades on the NASDAQ under UPWK. And I'll start with Charles, uh, Charles Upwork. An interesting platform. It's, uh, you know, uh, there's, a lot, there's a couple other platforms that kind of compete with it to a, to a, to a degree. Um, but basically, it's a, a marketplace for independent contractors and freelancers. What do you think? I want to like it. Yeah, you look at this, this should work, yeah, particularly if you're looking at, well, even, even pre-pandemic, we were going, you know, the gig economy. How many times did you hear the words gig economy, right? Uh, this is not exactly a gig economy stock. That, that's not quite it. But it, it does kind of, you know, move towards that that, that freelance um, kind of independent contractor model of, of I'm free to do my own thing and you know, I, this is a marketplace for me to, to, to sell my services. It looks like a great platform. It doesn't make money. True. Like, like that's the problem. It just doesn't make money. Like the stock has never made money. So, um, and I, I don't, I don't, it, it, it's, that's puzzling to me because if you look at this, it should be a low fixed cost business. At the end of the day, you know, it, it's, it just shouldn't, the, the hurdle rate to profitability just shouldn't be that high. So, I'm going to be a pass on this one. You know, I would say I think this is one that actually probably will do really well over the next six months because I think a lot of people will just superficially look at this and say, hey, you know, economy is kind of rough. You know, people are going to be hustling for jobs. This is the sort of site that makes that possible. But I, I think the window there is going to be fairly short because at the end of the day, the company doesn't make money. It, it, it questions the sustainability of its model. And, and I just wonder, because right now I think it's, it's two main sources of income are advertising uh, through, I think, their own website. And, and then I do believe, if I understand right, they take a percentage of what a freelancer is paid. I don't know what that percentage is. It's probably relatively low. Um, but I think you probably have to consider are the jobs on Upwork. We're not talking about necessarily full-time, long-term jobs. We're talking about very short-term, maybe one-off projects that aren't paying a lot of money anyway. So that's I, you know, I'm just wondering if maybe a reshift of focus to maybe a longer term freelance, uh, freelance contract that would maybe yield more money, not only to the freelancer, but also to Upwork would be um, a, a more viable solution. But well, you have to ask that question now, is this a company that, you know, they didn't, you know, a, a lot of Silicon Valley startups are like that. They have something that looks great. It, it looks like a neat idea. A great idea. But they just never quite put the, you know, the pen and paper to you know, the pencil and paper to it there to, to, to figure out their business model. And if your business model is advertising, well, now you're competing with Google and Facebook. So good luck right. with that. Right. And if you're taking a, a haircut on, you know, babysitting jobs or whatever, I mean, right. come on. Exactly. I mean, how, exactly. how much, you know, 
So you do wonder what was what was the founder's model? Was was the business model right. always just to make an interesting idea and then sell it out to a private equity company or something? I, I don't know, but and uh, I, and you look I, at this. And I do wonder in terms of uh, you know I just have this in the back of my mind thinking about California and, and the proper rule in California about how they treat how how employers can treat freelancers and. And, and, and workers in the game. Oh, uh, Lyft and uh, Uber are, you know, in a knockdown, you know, drag yeah. out, you know, exactly. bare knuckle fight with the state of California right now. Over this. Exactly. And there's a ballot measure to kind of augment that proposition rule uh, to make it a little easier um, to have independent contractors. But right now it's very, you know, it's very rich. It's very rich. I, think, I think Lyft actually left California. I, I think yeah. Lyft just said we are no longer doing business in California. I believe they, right? I believe they, moved, to, I believe they moved to your backyard. Well, I mean. You know, not literally. I did, I did notice a tent city forming in my my yard. I wondered what that was all about, but no. Right, but I, you know, these the they, they present some. So, like I said, it's a great platform. It's a great idea. Um, but yeah, I agree. And 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 Adam, you know, we've 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 talked about a couple of different things here, but I want you know bring it bring us back in here and, and talk about Upwork and, and and talk about the stock and and, and tell me what you thought you think about it. Yeah, I mean, Charles said it well when he said he wants to like the stock. That's how I would characterize my uh, my look at work, Upwork as well. Um, I do believe that, you know, not necessarily the gig economy, but this idea of decentralizing employment where employers can more uh, flexibly and with less overhead, meaning uh, benefits and whatnot, can and, and even uh, office space can uh, contract the work that they need uh, kind of in a flexible manner. And where people can work remotely, uh, I think that is more the future. So I definitely believe in in the type of market and the, and the business model that Upwork is going toward. Uh, but that said, it's very much it's, it's going to be a speculative play because it's an unproven. I mean, as Charles mentioned, they're not profitable. Um, the stock is only traded for a couple of years, just just under or just over two years. Basically, late 2018 is when they uh, IPO'd at around roughly the price we're trading right now in the in the low twenty dollars range. So. Uh, for me, this is a speculative play. I would actually be more willing to put a little bit of money speculatively in Upwork than I would in Aaron's and just kind of, you know, you know, amount of money that I was willing to lose and just kind of not look at it for three to five years and see if they end up taking a good chunk of market share. Um, Matt, at the intro, you talked about small cap stocks and versus large caps. And we've really been in a very atypical period here where the largest mega cap stocks and, and you know, a very small handful of them have outperformed the market, but I, I don't really expect that to last forever. Uh, over a longer term, uh, different market cycles uh, across across market cycles, smaller cap companies do tend to do better than large and mega cap companies. And part of the reason is that is uh, you know they have more growth runway ahead. So if you think about Apple, Apple's now a two trillion dollar company, two trillion dollars. So for them to give you a 10x return or you know to basically 10x your money, uh, they're going to have to grow to a 20 20 trillion dollar company. And that, um, you know, the, the amount of growth that they would have to do to go from $2 trillion to $20 trillion, I just don't see that happening. Whereas on the other hand, Upwork is like a $2.4 billion company. So if they 10x um, their, their market cap, you're talking about a $24 billion company. And that's still within the, you know, the mid cap range. So really, I mean, I think that you can get, um, if you can get away from the mega caps and the kind of the cult-like obsession with them, you can find better returns when small caps uh, you also alluded to one of the, the smaller cap stocks that I recommended in my Green Zone Fortune service. And really the success story with that one is that we got into it when it was in the small cap category, and then it 
basically doubled and, and more than doubled in price and now it's in the mid cap category. So this is, I think that there's kind of a sweet spot where you're not necessarily investing in micro caps that are worth $10 million or, or $50 million. But if you can get into a stock when it's in that one to $2 billion range, kind of right on the threshold of small cap, and if they can continue to grow at the rates they're growing and, and um, you know, add a couple of business lines or have some organic or merger and acquisition growth, um, then they can really make a, a, a leap into the next category. So that's one point I want to make. You know, Upwork right now, it scores low on my six-factor model, 35 out of 100. Uh, part of that is simply because it's not been around long enough. I, my six-factor model looks at 75 individual metrics, and some of those metrics look back five, even 10 years into the past. So that's why Aaron's has been around for a number of decades. Uh, Aaron's has all the data that my model looks at, and that's why I can score high. Upwork doesn't have all that data, so it's penalized by being a new company. Um, so that's one, you know, one situation where I would have to almost override my system. The stock I recommended uh, in my Greensboro Fortune service that's gone up 125% now is also a newer company. It's been around for less than three years uh, trading in the public markets. Um, so that didn't necessarily score as high as some of my other picks uh, on, the, on the systematic model. But uh, sometimes you have to look through that and, and, and override it a bit if it's a newer company that you see high growth and, and a really good business model. So for me, again, Upwork is kind of wait and see if you want to put a little bit of speculative money in it and uh, be willing to kiss, kiss it goodbye. Um, I think it might be worth it because I do believe in the, the overall business model. But I think for now, it's a wait and see. And I, I'm with you. I, 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 I'm not there yet. I, I like it. I like the idea. I'm, I'm curious as about what the overhead is for Upwork in terms of like how many employees they have working at those. Because really, if you think about it, this could be translated and transformed into almost an automated kind of a website where you have, you know, employers that can automatically upload their jobs. And then you have freelancers who can automatically apply to those jobs and have a match that way. And then just work out kind of the back end stuff in terms of, uh, you know, the, you know, the transactional uh, part of the, of the business. I'm just wondering if what's holding up one of the things uh, holding Upwork back is the fact that it maybe just has a very large employee base um, that may not be necessary. I don't know. I hate to say that, but you know, I think the point here is that the company hasn't made money. And if the company were to make money, then this might be a little more favorable play uh, to look at. But yeah, speculative, speculative money, maybe I, I, I wouldn't, but I, I don't really do that. So that, that's just my methodology. Um, but you know, again, I, I do like what you had to say, Adam, about, about small cap in terms of large cap. Uh, that's the star of the bell. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a thing. Um, but uh, so yeah, I, again, it just kind of goes back to, you know, big, large mega cap companies aren't necessarily where you're going to find those big gains that you want. It's not to say that they're not worth investing in, but if you're looking for, you know, massive double digit, big triple digit gains, mega cap companies probably aren't going to provide them for you. They're going to provide you gains, but not, not the ones that you're looking for. So it just really kind of depends on what you're looking for. So to kind of recap, we looked at Aaron's and all three of us are, are a pass on Aaron's, uh, a soft pass of you. I'm a little bit harder pass on Aaron's, but a soft pass as far as Upwork. Again, it's kind of like Aaron's. We like the company. It's, 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 it looks good. You know, there's, there's some potential there. Aaron's look good on paper. Upwork is a good concept. It just hasn't quite, you know, hit that area where we think, okay, this, this is great. So um, both, both Upwork and Aaron's are, are passes. Uh, Adam even did, did say that if you want to throw some speculative money into that, that you could and just kind of see where it goes over the next two to three years because it is possible with the way things have transformed in terms of, of, of the economy and how we're working. As you can see, all of us are remote. We're not in the same office. We're not even in the same state. 
And, and, and that's just kind of how things have moved. You see larger companies that are talking about letting their employees work from home permanently. Uh, Twitter has done this. There's been other companies that have talked about doing this on a scale. So, um, you know, the, the, the gig economy is upon us. It's just how do we react and what does that mean? I think it's still too early to say. So uh, that's about all we have for uh, this episode of The Bull and the Bear. Uh, encourage any feedback you might have. You uh, can either comment on our YouTube channel if you'd like. Just hit the comments below. Uh, or you can email us at the bull and bear at money and the bear at moneymarkets.com. That's the bull and the bear at moneymarkets.com. And uh, we've got more coming up. Uh, we have the marijuana market update our week ahead as well. Uh, so tons of stuff uh, that we have. We've got some new videos that we're thinking about doing and 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 getting ready to uh, put down uh, and and throw out there on our YouTube channel. Just go to uh, youtube.com, type in money and markets in the search bar, and you'll see us. We've got the green logo. Uh, make sure that you subscribe to the channel and then hit the uh, notification bell. So you get notified every time we put out a new video. So for uh, uh, Money Markets contributor Charles Sizemore and our chief investment strategist Adam O'Dell, I am Money Markets uh, research analyst Matt Clark and host of The Bull and the Bear. Until next time we talk, everyone, safe trading. You've been listening to The Bull and the Bear, a Money and Markets podcast. Tune in each week to hear insights on how to make investing safe and profitable for you. 